And so it goes. I binge, I diet, I diet, I binge. My life is transformed into a new bad dream of binging, dieting, binging, hating myself for binging and dieting some more. And the stone-cold gray eyes grow colder still. Oh, if only I could lose weight. Mom would love me. John would love me. I'd have a boyfriend. I must lose weight. I must lose weight. I must have a piece of toast. And another with jam. And another with jelly. And another with cinnamon and sugar. And another and another and another and another and another. Peace at last. Only now I have to buy a new loaf before anyone gets home. So off I go on my bike to Joe's Junkie Junk Food Store. Joe's Grocery is where I go almost every day after school. And when I get home, I realize I have to eat some more toast so it doesn't look like a new loaf. Apparently, I eat too much. All right. Who ate all the bread? Don't look at me. I hope they think it's John with his growing boy bit. He's an athlete with an athlete's body. He eats tons of food, including gallons of ice cream. And everyone knows he needs it as a growing boy. Growing, growing boy. I wish I had a penis. A penis could get me in the advanced reading class. If I had a penis, I could have been in Little League. Maybe if I had a penis, I could have lived with Daddy. Instead, I have... Small breasts, round hips, and fleshy thighs. And unlike a penis, these are clearly not assets. <laughs> I go on every diet there is in my teen years in the quest for the perfect body, which I know will give me the perfect life. I try Weight Watchers several times. Tops, take off pounds sensibly. Atkins, Jenny Craig, Pritikin, every diet in the latest magazine and some I make up, like the eat only cookies and exercise until you drop diet. <laughs> I try every non-diet I can think of. That is a feminist issue, food without fear, intuitive eating, therapy, group therapy, metaphysics. I will be thin. I will be thin. I, no. I am thin. I am, No. I am that I am thin. <laughs> I am that I am thin. And at last, I find a diet that works. The weight loss clinic. 500 calories a day, ketone sticks, and daily weigh-ins. I lose 50 pounds in three months. I'm freezing all the time, and when I want to eat, I take a nap. I've never seen such sparkle in my mother's eyes, and my brother even acknowledges me. I know I look good because I'm wearing a size 5, but somehow it, it doesn't seem real. It's, it's like my body's on, on loan. I don't even recognize myself in store windows. It's approaching Thanksgiving, and I'm two pounds away from my goal weight of 115 pounds. Yes, I am 117 pounds. And I am going to make the Thanksgiving dinner this year. I am going to make the Thanksgiving dinner to end all Thanksgiving dinners. I've gone so long with so little that on this one day, I'm going to have exactly what I want. So I forage through cookbooks. I frequent holiday bake sales. I buy homemade tantalizing baked goods. And I freeze them for the big day when I will go off my diet and feel full at last. 
I'm full, all right. Stuffed and sick as a dog. Three months later, I'm 60 pounds heavier. I'm in college now. Well, sort of. And still living at home. Every day I find a precious parking space on University Avenue. The Ave, we call it. And every day, a decision has to be made. Do I choose class? Or do I choose the Ave? Susan, what you want is here. It's so easy. No pressure. No competition. No class. You're not going to get A's anyway, so just stop trying. You know that to compete is to lose. It won't be any different than competing with your brother, so just give up. I choose the Av. First, K's cookies. Forerunner to Mrs. Fields. If I buy three cookies, I get a fourth free, so duh, I buy three. <laughs> oh, the Frankfurter. They have really good cookies. But they're really big. I'll just buy one. Oh, the crepe place. My favorite. I order a French chocolate crepe and watch them make it. A splatter of batter on the smooth, round, heated iron. Flatten it out with a wooden stick. Cook until it bubbles. Sprinkle chocolate shavings on it. Watch them melt. Fold it in half with two long, flat spatulas. Fold it in half again. Get the pastry bag full of fresh whipped cream, real cream. Make pretty little desires and voila, me. French chocolate melting into the whipped cream. Mm, no stool, no John, no lack of boyfriends. It's just me and the crepe. All is well. I go from coffee house to coffee house. No potato chips for me. I don't want cheap bags of junk. I want the good stuff. Lots and lots of the good stuff. I go into the B&O Espresso and get two brownies and a cookie. I move on to the last exit. Yes! Mountain bars! Chocolate coconut cookies. I buy two and get a pastry to go. I wouldn't want to run out. Maybe I'll go to a movie. And so it goes. I drop out of college, but no one knows it. At least, I think no one knows it because no one ever says anything about it. I just go to my waitressing job at night and the ab during the day. Eventually, I start waitressing during the day and leave school behind completely. I grow out of my clothes, and when I'm not in my waitress uniform, which is a wraparound skirt, I wear my sweats. I weigh myself every day to see if I can get away with what I've been eating. Oh, how can I gain weight so fast? Why should you care? They're all screwed up with their sexist, looksist attitudes anyway. Oblivion is here. What you want, ecstasy and companionship on demand. Yes! I want the pleasures of eating. I want the taste of chocolate in my mouth, the texture of chocolate on my tongue. I can buy it, prepare it, and eat it any way I want. I don't need anyone. Where's Mom's coat? I'll just check her coat pocket. Five bucks. That'll give me something. A can of fudge mixed with chopped almonds, maybe. Oh, I just had more money. I could buy more food. I spy her purse. Carefully and quietly, I unzip her purse and pull out her wallet. 
I take a 20. If I take more, she'll notice. I put her wallet back in the purse and leave her purse exactly as I found it. I head into my big cutlass supreme to get tonight's stash. Only 25 bucks won't buy very much. I know. I'll write a check. Oh, I don't have any money to cover it. Oh, it doesn't matter. I'll think of something. So I write a check for $50, giving me some cash for tomorrow. I wait until everyone is asleep before I begin my escape into oblivion with the fudge and nuts. And when I finished off the pastry, I haven't quite reached Nirvana, that place where everything is all right, that place where I am at one with the universe. And if I can just get the right food, I know it can be reached. Back to the cutlass. Donuts. All night cafes. Jewish jellies. It's dawn now. Light is shining on the new day as if there's hope for me. As if some light could be shed on the darkness of the night just past. Susan, sleep. Don't think about today. Don't think about yesterday. Put your troubles behind you. Eat and sleep. You can start again tomorrow. So I go to sleep trying to block out the cheerful sounds of birds chirping and the cracks of light coming through the closed drapes. Susan, I know you're in there. My eyes pop open and my body groans. My stomach is distended and I have gas. I feel like I've been poisoned. Damn it, Susan, open the door. What is that banging? Bleary-eyed, I open the door. Tori, my best friend since I was four and a newly recovering alcoholic, barges in. What in the hell are you doing? You sit around in your sweats. You don't answer the phone. You don't answer the door. We're going to an OA meeting right now. An OA meeting? Alcoholics Anonymous, but for over years. Get dressed. I can't deal with Tori right now. It's easier just to agree. And maybe, just maybe, there's hope for me. The meeting is in the basement of a church. There are about 20 people sitting in a circle of chairs. My heart pounds. What if this doesn't work? What if this is just another diet club failure? I sit down next to a post. A post seems safe. <laughs> Tori begins chatting with the stranger next to her. Great friend. That leaves me with no one to talk to. Why would anyone want to talk to me? I'm fat and ugly and have nothing to say. Look cool, Susan. Put your arm on the post. <laughs> That's it. Oh, someone please start the meeting. A woman across from me begins by saying her name is Lisa and she's a compulsive overeater. Compulsive overeater. Hmm. I don't hear much of what she says. I only know that she is small and petite, and I'm short and weigh over 200 pounds. And she has done exactly the same things with food that I have done. And I'm sitting in a room full of seemingly happy, mostly normal-sized people. The leader suggests that anyone who wants to recover from compulsive overeating raise their hand and share. So I raise my hand and keep it raised until I am called on. My name is Susan. And 
I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Susan! I can't stop eating. I don't care about my weight. I just want to stop doing what I'm doing. And look at me. There I was trying to look good. Good meaning calm, cool, and collected. And I'm anything but that. I'm terrified. I'm, I'm terrified that I can't stop eating. And a room full of clear, sparkling eyes shine back at me. After the meeting, a woman named Judy introduces herself to us and suggests that I get a sponsor, someone who will support me in not eating compulsively. She gives me a list of names from something called the We Care Sheet. It sounds kind of dumb to me, but it doesn't matter. I return home with a hopeful heart. Hi, my name is Susan. I got your name from the Monday night meeting. I'm looking for a sponsor, and I'm wondering if you would sponsor me. My number is 282-7535. Thank you. Hi, my name is Susan. I'm looking for a sponsor. 282-7535. I need a sponsor. 282-7535. I call 10 people, and it isn't until the next day when somebody calls me back. Hi, Susan. My name is Sandy. I'm not available to sponsor right now, but I do have the names and numbers of people with really fabulous programs, whatever that is. So I call seven more people, seven more answering machines, that is. No one's home. No one cares. It is a crock after all. That's what you get for believing in that crap. I taught you a long time ago not to count on other people and you're better off for it. You see what happens. You show them. Go to seas. A box of seas. Cut loose. Let her rip. You don't need anyone. So off I go to seas and return home just as fast as I can to prove my independence. Blinds closed. Drapes drawn. TV on. The phone rings. <laughs> Hello? The voice on the other end says her name is Eve and she's available to sponsor me. Um, I'm in the middle of something right now. <laughs> Can I call you back? Anytime tomorrow would be fine. Tonight? Look, I'm in the middle of a box of seeds. She asked what I want to happen. What do you mean? What do you mean, what do I want to happen? She asks, what is the logical ending of eating a box of seeds? Write the script. What's going to happen? Um, getting into my car, going from place to place in the middle of the night, coming home alone, and eating. She asks if that's what I want to happen. I, I don't know. I, I feel paralyzed. There they are. Caramel crunch, peanut butter nougat, butterscotch squares. It's, it's nirvana at my fingertips. Only the script I've written doesn't sound like nirvana. All right. I'll throw them away. What? Do I have a garbage disposal? <laughs> Yes, 
So I turn on the water and watch as Nirvana goes down the drain. <laughs> huh? I did it! I threw them away! Congratulations, she says. You've just started your abstinence. I have two weeks of abstinence and I desperately want to keep it. So I do whatever my sponsor tells me to do. Write a history of your compulsive overeating. <laughs> Write about your last binge and all its consequences. Write what happens when you abstain and what happens when you don't. Apparently, this is what I'm supposed to do to admit that I'm powerless over food. And I have to admit that this inanimate object, food, has me beaten, which is just great news. So now what? My sponsor says I need to get a higher power that works for me. You must be kidding. I'm an agnostic. On bad days, I'm an atheist. In meetings, I hear that my higher power can be God, the group, or a door handle. A door handle. I understand the idea, make your higher power anything you want it to be, but a door handle? Who would be stupid enough to make their higher power a door handle? Please. My sponsor suggests that I write a want ad for my higher power. By now, I'm used to doing these ridiculous things, so I do. Wanted. A God who loves me, who thinks I'm the greatest thing going and is behind me 100%. Never angry, never punishing, never dictatorial, all-knowing, all-powerful, willing to move mountains for me, preferably female. Ugh, this is stupid. My sponsor tells me to act as if. Act as if what? Act as if my ad were answered. So I read my want ad every day and pray to the higher power I don't believe in. I continue to go to meetings. I read and study the literature, which is easy since I love to read. I make friends with other newcomers. And on some occasions, I even make a phone call. I listen to program tapes in the car. And on one particular day, I hear something that gets my attention. When the chips are down, you have got to believe what you believe. You have got to believe whatever it is that you believe. No more and no less. That's it. I haven't been able to have faith because deep down, deep, deep down, I think it's a load of crap. Might as well be Zeus and Hera. So what do I believe in? I know I believe in something. If I break my arm, something heals it. The doctors set the bone, they put a cast on it, but they don't heal it. There's some kind of healing force in the universe. Maybe I don't need to define it. I'd rather live with the question, I think. But I have to be abstinent to do that. If I am all clogged up with food, I don't know up from down, let alone anything about a higher power. I need the clarity of abstinence. The speaker continues. Overfeeding kills the spirit. I thought I overate for comfort. But I didn't. I overate to make everybody else comfortable. God forbid I could have a feeling. God forbid I could have an opinion. Or say yes, or no, or out. 
abstinence is never more important to me, especially when I go home for my first abstinent Christmas. I tell my family about OA and what I'm trying to do, and shortly after that, my mom decides that instead of our usual Christmas dinner, we will have a dessert buffet. A gourmet dessert buffet. Full of my favorite desserts on my favorite holiday. So I commit to my sponsor that I will have plain yogurt with dried apples and cinnamon, the closest thing on my food plan to dessert. This time, it isn't the food that calls out to me. Susan, it's chocolate decadence. It's your favorite. I made it because you like it so much. How's the diet, Susan? Any weight loss yet? It's not a diet, and my weight is none of your business. I think Susan's lost some weight, don't you? Yeah, can you believe it? She hasn't even eaten the plum pudding or the Norwegian cookies. My God, they are talking about me in the third person as if I weren't even here. They don't ask me any questions about my life. My very interesting life, by the way. They don't ask me any questions about Jim, the man I'm seeing. And when I talk about him, because he really is all I can think about, they change the subject. When I talk about finishing college, which I did, they change the subject. Any ideas about what they're interested in? How you doing, John? How's the game, John? How's it going at work, John? What am I, chopped liver? This sucks. Oh, I guess it's taken a lot of food not to see and feel this. I am never more clear on the first step. If I start in on that dessert bar, I will be a goner, and I will be sacrificing myself for their comfort. So I eat my plain yogurt. I eat my plain yogurt with dried apples and cinnamon, and I hardly notice what they're eating. I'm too busy noticing what's really going on. I spend five days with my family, five painful, torturous days. For the first Christmas in my life, I am not sedated. I'm abstinent. When I return home, my sponsor suggests that I write a four-step inventory on my family. So, I begin writing with a vengeance. In a week, I'm ready to share my inventory. Throughout the process, my sponsor closes her eyes and says, Mmm. But the most important part of the process are her pretty blue eyes sparkling with understanding and compassion, mirroring back the truth of who I am. Now that I've finished my fifth step, it's time to make amends. I want those promises. So, I'll start with the easy ones first. Hi, Mom. <laughs> How you doing? Not bad. What you been up to? Not much. How you feeling? Pretty good. We continue our usual conversation, which feels something akin to pulling teeth. Um, there's something I'd like to apologize to you for. Oh, really? Great. Now I've got her scared. Um, you remember... When I gained a lot of weight all at once, I stole money out of your purse to pay for food. No response. This isn't so hard. What's the big deal about making amends anyway? 
I've stole money out of your coat pockets all my life. Mostly to, mostly to pay for food. Well, for heaven's sakes, it's not that big a deal. Well, uh, apparently it is. I'm, I'm very sorry. Well, okay. Okay, I'm going to go now. A weight is lifted off my shoulders that I didn't know was there. I experience an emotional shift, a psychic change. And shortly afterwards, I lose some weight. I report back to my sponsor how well it's gone. I'm so glad for you, honey, but you skipped set six, seven, and eight. <laughs> well, I've heard they're not very important. <laughs> there are only three paragraphs to six, seven, and eight in the big book. Besides, I'm willing to have my character defects be removed. I'm a perfectionist, remember? It's years later when those very steps would change my life. Remember the guy I was thinking about at the dessert buffet? Jim is a tall, thin, thoughtful guy who I meet at an OA retreat. Yes, boy meets girl on OA campus. Jim's been in program eight years. I've been in program ten months. Two years later, we are married. I am as thin as I have ever been on my wedding day. Food is easy. I have nirvana to look forward to. Love that will last a lifetime. Love with no disappointment. Love with no abandonment. So why am I so terrified on our honeymoon? He planned the whole thing booked us into romantic bed and breakfast, rustic inns, and on one night a castle. And all I can think of, even as he touches me, is, what have I done? Two weeks later, I'm sitting quietly at the L.A. birthday party listening to a speaker talk on relationships. What crap. Nothing's changed. Nothing's different. Everything is exactly the way it was before I got married. I'd wasted $13,000 on a wedding. How am I ever going to make this up to my mother? The speaker drones on about page 449 in the big book and chucks magic magnifying glasses. Acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. Oh, yeah? Well, what about accepting the unacceptable? He isn't the man I thought he was. The speaker continues, how much does he have to change to make me okay? Oh, for God's sake, shut up. This is different. He does have to change. I'm settling. Everything about him bothers me. He's colorblind. He has bad taste. He's passive. He's feminine. He's indecisive. Feminism, pacifism, and Al-Anon have ruined him. <laughs> and I am not willing to settle. Why can't you be a normal man and let me buy your clothes? I'm the one who has to look at you. <laughs> Why do I have to make all the decisions? I want to be the female in this relationship. You're not even man enough to fight with me. Why don't you come on to me more aggressively? Why don't you make love to me more often? Stop clinging and suffocating. I am miserable. He suggests divorce since I'm so miserable. Divorce? How can you say that? 
That is hitting below the belt, and you know it. Divorce is not an option. Please help me. I don't know what to do anymore. I give up. I give my marriage to you. I don't care what happens. I don't, I don't care if we divorce. I don't care if one of us or both of us dies. Whatever you want, it's yours. I come back to step six and seven to look at my character defects, how they've served me and what they've cost me. The cost is high. The cost appears to be my marriage. I become willing to let go of my character defects and ask for them to be removed. And in my eighth step, I am finally able to forgive my dad. Daddy, do you remember when you saved that woman's life? You you were walking downtown with all of us. You were holding hands with me and John, and Kristen was running behind us saying, Wait for me! And, And you were teasing her about always running behind us saying that. And suddenly, you put your hands firmly on our shoulders, said, Stay right there, and you took off running. You broke through a crowd of people, and through the crowd I could see a man with a knife pushing a woman down over a fire hydrant. And you broke through that crowd of people, and you sucked him. You sucked him right in the face, just like in the movies. That gave the woman time to run away, and then the crowd helped you hold the man until the police arrived. I was completely dazzled by you. You were my hero. You never loved me the way I wanted you to. You never knew how much a girl needed her daddy. As much as a boy does. As much as John did. But you were, you were a man of your times. You didn't, you didn't know how to love or value a girl, did you? That doesn't mean you didn't love me, does it? Maybe not as much as John, but You did love me, didn't you? (laughs) You loved me! (laughs) My daddy loves me! (laughs) Oh, I wish you'd taken better care of yourself. I know how hard that is to do. I know you wouldn't have gone if you had any say in it. I forgive you for not sticking around and giving me the things a girl needs from her daddy. I have loved you. All my life. And I have missed you all my life. I've missed my dazzling daddy. It's time now to say goodbye. Goodbye, daddy. After my eighth step, I made plans to go home. The holidays are approaching, and instead of the usual five or six days, I plan a 16-day trip. (laughs) I will spend time with friends and family, but mostly friends. On the day that I arrive, it begins to snow. Seattle comes to a standstill in the snow. Cars are in ditches. Buses are left in the middle of the road. Everything is closed. And the next day, I come down with a 104-degree temperature. 
I can barely make it to the couch. I'm hungry, dizzy, feverish, but not hungry enough to get up to get up off the couch. That's how truly sick I am. After three days on the couch, my mom offers to make me some toast, thinking I can get it down and keep it down. As I eat the toast, I watch my mother at the sliding glass window. She has on a fuzzy pink sweater and fuzzy pink slippers that match. Her arms are crossed, and she just stands there looking out the window. (laughs) After a while, she goes across the room to the dining room window and just stands there looking out. And she goes back to the sliding glass door and stands there looking out into the snow, nose pressed against the window. Look at her. She looks like a little girl looking at the magic of a winter wonderland. That little girl is my mom. That little girl birthed me and fed me and put a roof over my head all by herself. She gave me swimming lessons and guitar lessons and ski lessons and Girl Scout camp and big birthday parties for twins. She has done so much and sacrificed so much for us. What a sweet, lovely woman. I fall in love with my mother at this moment. We are alone together for the remainder of my trip due to the flu and the snow. And I begin living my amends. I stop trying to get blood from a turnip. She's fine just the way she is. And when she thinks I'm not fine just the way I am, I remember that I'm the one working a program. I'm the mommy now. It's up to me to take care of myself. And she's Marge, my sweet, lovely mother who was taken with a snowfall. After this, him changes. I'm sitting at the dining room table doing my work when I hear Jim's keys in the door. Yep, six o'clock. That's his coming home time. Every night, on the dot. Can't he vary his coming home time once in a while? Can't he surprise me sometimes? Now he'll be bugging me all night, glomming onto me, distracting me from my work. I hear the keys turn and the door open. Just let me finish this last sentence. Okay, time now to pay attention to Jim. I turn around and everything is exactly as it always is. And everything has changed. Jim is putting his things on the counter as he always does in anticipation of getting a hug from me. Only this time he doesn't seem desperate. His face is glowing and his eyes are shining. All because he's looking at me. Does this man love me or what? He gives me the body hug that I get every night. This is clingy. This is what I always said I wanted. Why did I think this was suffocating? I just couldn't let it in. All my life I've gone after men and women too who for whatever reason just can't love me. The minute I see it turned back, I go after it. I mean, these are people who are not capable of turning and loving me if their life depended on it. I have about as much chance of getting them to turn around and face me as I do of, of, of bringing my daddy back from the dead. 
And that is exactly what I've been trying to do. Jim has never, ever turned his back on me. I've been trying to get him to turn his back because I know what to do with the turned back. I guess coming to terms with my mother and realizing that my daddy loved me have, has allowed me to let Jim love me. And he's damn good at it. And I don't try to change him. One day at a time. <laughs> we moved to Hollywood to pursue my acting career. I am trained. I am thin. I am ready. Mocha mix. Sinfully rich and creamy without the sin. Thank you. We like doing things together, like classes at Michael's Arts and Crafts. But when I heard about sandpaper t-shirts, I thought, what? But they're really fun. Another great idea from Michael's. Thank you. Udo, no changeling has ever harmed another. Thank you. Damn it. That was Star Trek. What is it? Am I too fat? Am I not sexy enough? Maybe I just have no talent. You're just waking up to like that. Oof, this feels so familiar. These are turned backs. These are turned backs. I'm going after the biggest turned back of all time, and it is Hollywood. I have about as much chance of getting them to turn around and face me as I do of winning the lottery, and I do not want to gamble with my life. Please increase my desire for what you would have me do and decrease my desire for what you would not. My day job is teaching acting part-time, and it becomes as interesting to me as my acting career. After much prayer and meditation, I apply for a full-time position. I am interviewed and hired as a tenure-track professor and chair of a college theater department. Me! I am at last... The chosen one, chosen in a national search. In my first semester, I teach five classes. I develop policies and procedures for production. I develop a $30,000 line item budget. I develop a fall, summer, spring schedule. And I write new curriculum. <laughs> I'm completely stressed out and exhausted. It's way more than my nervous system can handle. And after every 12 or 14 hour day, I want to reward myself with food. Go ahead. You deserve it. You can't do this job without chocolate, and you know it. You're a fraud. They'll find out they don't know what you're doing. Go ahead. Give yourself a treat. Have a cookie. A cookie isn't going to make me feel like less of a fraud. But think of the pleasure. Pure pleasure. No. I'm tired. What I need to do is go home and go to bed just to get up in the morning and do the same thing day after day after day after day. Maybe a cookie will work. I drive to Subway and buy two chocolate chip cookies into the Starbucks next door and buy a brownie. I eat them in my car on the way home. Calm at last. The next day, I call my sponsor. 
I ate two cookies and a brownie yesterday. I guess I have to start my abstinence over. Oh, honey. You didn't rob a bank or kill someone. You didn't hurt someone. You hurt yourself. When a baby falls down, do you say, Bad baby! Bad, bad baby! (laughs) No. You say, Oh, you can get up. You've had a slip. You fell down. Now get up. That's recovery. Now, what are you going to do today? My abstinence is making a commitment every day that I can keep. And when I don't keep my commitment, I tell my sponsor. No secrets allowed. I've been doing this every day for over 22 years. I get some very bad news at work. I ask for a production manager in order to make my workload more manageable. And I don't get the position, which means that my workload won't change. And on my way home, I hear the old familiar call. Susan, you're tired and beat. You work so hard. Have an almond joy. An almond joy isn't going to help. I'm anxious about my workload. And almond joy will help. It's nothing that an almond joy can't solve. Just have one. This time will be different. One will satisfy you. One will not satisfy me because I'm not hungry. I'm anxious. Being anxious isn't going to kill me. It will. You know it will. Stop lying to yourself. There's the AMPM. No. I need to find another way of dealing with my anxiety. Fine. You can make chocolate coconut cookies when you get home. Jim is asleep when I get home. He must be sleeping really hard since I don't wake him up. I probably could bake cookies. I'm in trouble. I I need to make a phone call. It's 12 o'clock at night. Who can you call? Judy. Hi. She has caller ID, so I know she knows it's me. I want to bake cookies. Well, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> well, I know that. Well, just don't eat no matter what. Well, if I could do that, I wouldn't call you. Well, what do you want from the food? I want out. I just want out. Well, how can you get out without using food? Uh, I don't know. Um, I could uh, read a book, listen to some music, a little Frank Sinatra maybe. You know, none of those things get it like chocolate. Oh, I know. I can watch Star Trek. Yeah, it's, it's on in five minutes. That'll take me out. It's fantasy. It's science fiction. It's intelligent. At least I like to think it's intelligent since I watch it. I watched Captain Janeway do battle with the array. She's not Captain Kirk, but she's female, so it's okay. (laughs) Then it hits me. I could bake cookies while I'm watching Star Trek. (laughs) The phone rings. Don't answer! I'll listen to the message when I bake the cookies at the commercial. At the commercial, I listen to the message. It's Judy. She wants to know how I'm doing. Huh. Someone cares. Someone cares whether or not I overeat. 
she cares enough to call me at 12.20 in the morning. I won't do it. Star Trek isn't chocolate, but it's good enough. And chocolate isn't going to change my workload anyway. Captain Janeway loses her battle with the array. But I win my battle with food because someone cared. In the morning, I call my sponsor and tell her that I kept my commitment yesterday. I kiss my husband goodbye, tell him to drive safely, and watch his little white truck go down the street as he drives off to work. I sure do love him. I am one lucky gal. And he dresses really well, too. (laughs) I look out across the street from our little house on the beach and see the deep blue of the ocean and breathe the cool, clean air. This must be what the big book means when it says we've been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence that we never dreamed existed. I am completely satisfied in this moment. This is it. Nirvana is right here, right now. My food isn't perfect. I'm still working on balance at work, but most of the time, I make self-loving choices. I think of my abstinence as a spiritual fast that I keep in order to know my higher power better. Consequently, my life has never been better. I thought the quality of my life depended on my clothing size, but my life is so much bigger than my clothing size. I don't want to waste another minute of my life thinking about food, weight, and body size. What a waste of my precious, precious life. I found OA, and I woke up from my bad dream. Every day, I make a choice to wake up. The choice is simple, but not easy. The choice is food or life. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. Thank you. I'm Tara. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. 
So quick reminder, there's going to be a young people's session tonight at 10 p.m. Anyone is welcome to come in the San Juan room. And we're going to close with the OA promise, I put my hand in yours. If you don't know the words, it's on page six of your program. If you can uh, hold the hand of the person next to you. I put my hand in yours, and together we can do what we could never do alone. No longer is there a sense of hopelessness. No longer must we each depend upon our own unsteady willpower. We are all together now, reaching out our hands for a power and strength greater than ours. And as we join hands, we find love and understanding beyond our wildest dreams. Keep coming back. It works.